Vincois LeBlanc. Wait, Blanc? Is it LeBlanc? Welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. Okay, I can't really. Is he oh, LeBlanc? I'll start sounding like Foghorn Leghorn from the Looney Tunes. I say, I say, welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a, I can't really do that accent very well. It's like a deep southerner. So I'll just say it in my normal voice. Welcome to the Forest Creek Podcast. Uh, I'm the killer. I did it. We finally did it, actually. We watched Glass Onion. We finally we did finally, it. We finally... Let me tell you kids a little tale about us trying to watch this movie. We have gotten it wrong, I think, three times now. I think you got it wrong twice. I got it wrong once. <laughs> Not that it matters. Both times, we ended up trying to like do different podcasts. One time, we were planning to see it on netflix and then i looked at my phone and found out that they'd actually done a theater release that day so i was scrambling back i was like i I can still make it home let's go to a theater right now let's watch it and let's do the review and they ended up playing it in that in the theater only on that day and that day was the day that we had one of the worst traffic jams in vancouver history well there's a a snowfall a snowfall everybody forgot how to drive Everybody, everybody was Classic just PC. inching in traffic for hours on end, and I was like, "There's no way I'm gonna make this movie. I can't even make it to the next exit." Afterwards, I was like, "All right, this no no fault. We still got tons of time. Let's catch the next theater day." They only had it for that one day. We tried and failed multiple times. Yeah, like I remember, because yeah, we couldn't make it on a Tuesday. You were coming back from yeah. What, where were you? Seymour. Yeah, I went. I went. Uh, up on the Mount Seymour, I was snowshoeing. <laughs> Just by yourself? Yep, pretty much. Trying to find Sasquatch? Found him. Nice. Did you take pictures? He also liked Glass Onion. He was trying to get to the theater. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so and then I remember, like, so we were like, okay, we can't make it for the Tuesday. That's fine. We'll just watch it the next day, Wednesday. And then I, <laughs> that afternoon, you sent me a link. And it's like glass onion pulled from theaters. I was like, what? Are you serious? <laughs> it was like, nobody wants us to watch this movie. Um, and finally, it came out on Netflix right before Christmas, December 23rd. And we were hoping to do it. Snowstorms all over BC. Yep. We finally caught it on Netflix. We just watched it a few minutes ago. So maybe you got a chance to settle down this Christmas and watch Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Why is it called a Knives Out mystery? Well, it's... Because it was a sequel, technically. Yeah, yeah. It's Same a sequ- cinematic universe as a Kni- Knives Out. Well, it's the main character, Benoit Blanc. He yes. is the detective. He wasn't actually... I wouldn't say he was the main character in A Knives Out. It was actually um, the female lead. I forgot her name. But she was, I guess, the maid. or the Not the maid. Sorry. She was the caretaker of the character who dies early yes. on in the film, right? So, so she was the main character, I think, in, in A Knives Out. And so... Uh, she doesn't she's not in glass onion the only character that carries over is benoit blanc and so now we're basically seeing a new franchise of a whodunit which i'm totally down for and i think ryan johnson did something really special with a knives out which is basically he resurrected that i feel like we're saying uh, knives out the movie's just called knives out oh knives out if you didn't get a chance to catch it in theaters well, apparently it's a new cinematic universe where we're going to follow Daniel Craig doing a southern accent as his uh, modern-day Hercule Poirot, who is uh, something-something Blanc. Well, this is uh, 
this is Daniel Craig's retirement gig. Yeah, it's good. No, I, I, I like think, it. I think it's awesome. He I settled think into the role. He settled into the role. He kills it. He's having tons of fun playing it. Um, truly and they're a, good movies. A so. masterful actor. And these are good cinematic experiences. He plays a detective who wanders in and out of the houses of massively rich, vapid liberals. And he somehow always ends up teaming up with some underclass minority to thwart them in a murder that they all, uh, well, conspired to. Yeah. Let's yeah. say it. We don't want to spoil anything. Yeah. I will. Let's let's try not to spoil anything for either film. But point being, Ryan Johnson is directing mm-hmm. for both these movies. And it he's a masterful director. Yeah. No, I've actually been following Ryan Johnson for a long time. When I was really into making movies, I was... I would look for low budget films like I would watch a lot of right. films made under a million dollars because that was realistically what I would be like I wanted to know what can, what kind of how can your movie look or how good can a movie be with a bu- budget that low I watched a lot of horror movies and Ryan Johnson he had a couple low budget features as well and then one of them was called Brick I'm not sure how many people have seen that I highly recommend it it's sort of and it's a murder it's a murder mystery but it's a high school a high school murder mystery the main character is actually played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This is before Joseph Gordon-Levitt became, like, really famous. Um, or actually, no, I think he already did Freaks and Geeks by that point. So maybe he was a little bit famous. Was he in Freaks and Geeks? or I thought he was. I remember him in Third Rock from the Sun. So, okay, you know what? I'm getting confused. Yes, it was that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, very James different Franco shows. James Franco was in Freaks and Geeks. Yes. Okay. Very different shows, Freaks and Geeks and Third Rocks from the Sun. <laughs> <laughs> True. I, to be honest, I like Third Rock from the Sun better. Okay, oh, I it haven't seen either. Dear so. place in my heart. Yeah, but Ryan Johnson, if you may also be familiar with his more more recent title, uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Wait, he did Last Jedi? No, I thought that was J.J. Abrams. He did uh, Rogue One. No. Wait, what? J.J. Abrams did. Uh, damn it, The Force Awakens, and then he did uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, but you know in what? between them, a... Ryan Johnson did. Edwards did Rogue One. I'm getting confused. Yes, but Ryan Johnson did The Last Jedi, probably the most hated. Yep, nope, you're 100% right. I got that one wrong. For some reason, uh, in my memory, I had Ryan Johnson doing Rogue One, and then, no, that was Edwards, the guy who did Godzilla, and then, no, he did, right, I blocked Last Jedi out of my memory. It's not canon for me. (laughs) He struck a chord with a lot of people with that movie when he decided, my whole theme is that Star Wars is no longer for just those nerd Star Wars fans. It's for everybody now. So his movie, The Last Jedi, was basically uh, a sad attempt to pander to a lot of aspirational, diverse audiences, and it didn't really center around a good plot, good theme. Yeah, it was poorly kind written. Of wasted everybody's time. Um, it was actually overall just a boring movie. That's, yes. that's what I would say. It's like you open the film and it's great. It's got like this action sequence, I remember. And then it just... Let's also put in a commentary about capitalism as we're running through. Like it's... Will you stop? Yeah. But this isn't a review of The Last Jedi. No. I don't think anybody wants to hear that. I'm sure they're again. also bored of those. But this is a review of Knives Out and a Knives Out mystery glass onion. I just said that backwards. So what, what did you think of Knives Out? The first one. I guess now we yeah, ask. I'm not sure if they're going to number I think these, of it but... the same thing as I do. I think of both these movies the same way in that they're very masterfully made. 
The casting is excellent. The acting's on point. The cinematography's nice. I can't think of one objectively bad thing to say about it. So there's it. no... It's it's well-crafted. Except no, yeah. for the fact that the soon as I saw somebody who wasn't white come on screen, I'm like, they're either innocent or a hero or both. And I was right. Mm. Both counts. <laughs> so would you say that uh, Ryan Johnson's kind of got some like political agenda with some of these films or I don't want to be the millionth person to make that commentary I just I feel like it stumps something because his movies are like they're complex they're well thought out Mm -hmm. I thought it was actually it's smart it's an interesting take that you're watching all these really nice this wonderful family of people who are all coming together and then as soon as we start to side with that one character we start seeing them all turn into monsters right Mm -hmm. that was kind of a knives out i'm saying i'm saying it now knives out that was kind of the deal there Mm -hmm. in this film there's something that's not too different from it it's something similar where it's like okay this without spoiling it it steps in the same river but it doesn't step in the same water right and if anything i really like this film for its setting and for its overall design I love the color. I love the flashiness. The layers that these characters had were actually complex. I think he stepped his game up from Knives Out, to be honest. This was a very well-crafted movie. Same intellectual premise. Mm -hmm. Rich people, bad. That was it. Or, I mean, it's just classism. That's his whole thing. So you can, if you want to kind of poke the hole in the whole thing, if you sit down in a Ryan Johnson movie, just think... Who is the underdog class they're destined to? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's a, there's a sort of irony there because apparently Ryan Johnson, like they they when they basically purchased the I can't remember like the studios purchased the rights for a Knives Out like the, this mystery this this Knives hoop. Out yeah Knives Out mystery kind of franchise now um, that's what we call this podcast a Knives Out <laughs> they like gave everybody involved a hundred million dollars so Ryan Johnson got paid a hundred million dollars for this movie so if that doesn't make him like one of these (laughs) or at least put him in that same class you know not to mention all the last jedi money he he probably made and i like i don't have a problem with him making money because he's made and he's made excellent films i i really respect him as a filmmaker and a writer but like he's exactly to be honest he's exactly the tool for the job when these executives when we get an ip like knives out we know okay People like old-fashioned mysteries, but they don't like old-fashioned attitudes towards modern-day things. So we can modernize an old-fashioned style of story. And what we saw in in both cases was like an Agatha Christie novel come to life. Especially Mm -hmm. so with Glass Onion. It was just like, and then there were none. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's an old-fashioned style mystery. Now let's do a really good job casting and pick people who are going to nail the roles let's shoot it in a fun and entertaining way you can easily get wrapped up in the drama of these characters on screen it's beautifully written now let's make a franchise where we just send daniel craig to another interesting place surround him with another cast of interesting characters and kill one or two of them Mm -hmm. and see how you know just another story they'll pump out one of these every couple years they make some kind of deal with netflix and now Netflix has a thing that people are going to look forward to. A murder mystery you can cuddle up to with your family right before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, I think this film would have done great if they left it in theaters. I don't know why they pulled it after a week. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, like, you I, know, I'm, I think it's something to do with Netflix. I, I think so as well. I think yeah. Netflix is promoting their platform, I guess, and they need certain IPs to have, like, their release on their platform to kind of maybe further it or whatever. Uh, because a knife, not, well, not knives out. <laughs> We're gonna keep correcting ourselves this entire podcast. Uh, knives out did incredibly well at the box office. I think it made like three hundred and seventy million dollars against a budget of only like forty million. So it was incredibly successful in theaters. It did very, very well. Um, and then I think Netflix ends up paying Ryan Johnson a stupid amount, like we talked about. And then now he's making this is our IP now. Yeah. Now he's, I, I'm. Yeah. I'm totally fine with uh, more of these care. films. Do I it. love them. Do it. I'm just interested to see like what went on behind that theatrical release because right. I was wondering if like did Netflix decide we can release this thing on Netflix and get all our views, or we can try releasing it in theaters first and then sell tickets and then come back to it. I'm I'm curious. I'm curious what the business model was. I'm curious what the strategy there was and what ended up happening with that one day theater release. So I guess looking back on at it now, like the Knives Out theater experience, we had a good time. Yeah, it was you awesome. and I came out of that like that was a good movie. Yeah, it was it fundamentally was really fun, really sharp, thoroughly entertaining throughout. Um, well written, very well made, um, and again, it was just that movie. Uh, I think a lot of people had a similar experience where they were they were reminded how much they love a good whodunit mystery. It's so much fun, and there's, you know, he there's good comedy. There's good comedy throughout that film, and Glass Onion as well. Very in both yeah. films, even though they're very well put together, I still think Daniel Craig playing Blanc, which we'll, let's just call him Blanc, mm-hmm. is the linchpin that holds the whole thing together. And he will be for the foreseeable yeah. future because if they're going to do a franchise, the only character who I see actually carrying over from film to film is Ben. It's like basically the adventures. It's like kind of like Sherlock, except instead it's, yeah, like the adventures of Benoit Blanc, right? And you could see like at the beginning of Glass Onion, we find Benoit Blanc and he's basically just been sitting in a tub for basically since the last movie. And yeah. he's kind of like a kind of like a Sherlock character where he gets depressed when he can't solve mysteries. <laughs> he's kind of... He does remind me a lot of like those detectives who are a little bit quirky, usually kind gentlemen who mm-hmm. are a little bit quirky. That's that's your classic detective, except for Murder She Wrote. So like it, it, it doesn't strike me as odd at all, right? And I think it's a you picked a fantastic, a masterful actor to represent that and mm-hmm. bring that out in a modern sense. Yeah. With Blanc. He the accent is not obnoxious. You'd think it would be. If you're just thinking this British guy is going to come in here and he's going to do a Southerner, mm-hmm. it's not obnoxious. It's not obnoxious. It's actually just fun. I would say so many of the choices that Ryan Johnson makes is basically like, this is fun. Um, the way the murder mysteries are unfolding or the way that you learn about like different, you know, the, the characters. He just, any opportunity that Ryan Johnson has to make this film more fun, he takes right and so that's what i think makes these whodunits more than just a mystery right um there's a lot of character reveals there's a lot of humor kate hudson's hilarious in this film what did, what did you think of the cast because there's we have a bunch of star uh star celebrities uh in this one even hugh grant gets a little like 10 when, seconds <laughs> when i was a kid batista was my favorite wrestler in wwe so watching him in movies now is I think he was an amazing pick for Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I think he's done a lot of other great roles. He was actually um, one of the Bond villains that fought against 
Daniel Craig's Bond in one of the last James Bond movies. So seeing him do a more serious movie like this, I actually am starting to... Because he's done serious movies as well. But I think he's starting to really step into some breadth as an actor. So I'm curious to see what he would do after something like this. What's the next role? Or how he would grow into it. But he really, like, he brought his A-game mm-hmm. to this. He played, like, a goofy character and st- still made us, like, interested. So... I was curious about that. The casting in general was very well done. Like they're, they looked like people in Hollywood. They looked like exactly what they were supposed to be. They're all rich, famous, successful celebrities. Well, that's right? the thing. It's like it's. I feel like they didn't have to act. I feel like all the actors here basically had a relatively easy time playing these roles. You know, because they just kind of channel some stuff that they maybe already have, and then they can. A lot of the performances, just like you saw in the first film, there's they're just a bit over the top. Benoit Blanc is the most over yeah. the top, and then everybody else is just short of him in terms of their performances and again he's just keeping it fun yeah yeah no classic with murder mystery movies this is one of those murder mystery movies where you're rewarded for paying attention Mm -hmm, for sure because it's all about the details and i love being able to say that because now it's a game now go to theaters oh sorry no go to your netflix watch this movie and look for the details maybe you'll be right because you can make some guesses i made some guesses Mm -hmm, and i was right did you make any guesses um i made some guesses but like the the just like the first film, it very fast. Actually, I would say this film is a bit faster in terms of pace. Faster, flashier, but yeah. more clever. Yes, more I would clever. say so. I yeah. actually, I, I mean, this is a side comment. I thought overall, not uh, not uh, Knives Out was better overall, mm. but the mystery in Glass Onion is more, I guess you could say, yeah, clever, a lot more kind of lines to follow and there's so many little details that like you said if you were paying attention you would have been rewarded um did, wait did you get it did you actually make i didn't solve the whole thing but i picked a couple of plot points where i was like okay this is actually this that person's actually good this person's actually conspiring with that person like i got a lot of those really quickly okay. i didn't solve the whole thing right which i really love that if you, as soon as I feel like from a lot of this movie, Benoit Blanc is in the background, but every once in a while, he like steps back to center stage, goes on one of those little detective monologues and like, mm-hmm. okay, now we feel safe again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is... exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was so much fun um, in the first one, right? Like when he went on that long monologue, because I, I had no idea what to expect. I knew it was a murder mystery, but that's basically, I didn't even see the trailer leading up to uh, uh, Knives Out, but when we finally got that monologue it was so satisfying it was just so satisfying uh to see him uh just go off and and then obviously at the end of the reveal and everything that happens um and then he does it again but this time it's a little bit different they do kind of put uh, uh okay. they, they make some changes next they time, don't repeat it exactly time, the same benoit blanc goes to upper class place x he deals with upper class people y minority person z walks in they immediately become the hero of the story, and then Benoit Blanc does exactly the same thing again, where he solves the mystery but stays to the background while this other person is technically the hero. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see formula. what the third one will do, because I think you're right to kind of uh, map out a bit of a formula at this point uh, with this. Like, the, it's true. Like after the, because I'm not I, saying I even have no idea what to expect from Ryan Johnson is guilty of anything but, in my eyes. I think it's. He for like for some deliberate choices, yes, but like detective stories are deliberately formulaic. They have to be. 
because you have you're dealing with elements and you're trying to move them around like pieces mm-hmm. of a puzzle. Right. No, yeah. but what 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 uh, what I think you're pointing out and which could be a problem is if he's really um, if that's like a rule for him that the minority always has to come out on top. We're, we're like then, underclass, and you know that going into the films yeah. that just makes it a little bit easier to solve the mystery before it's solved. Hey, I was wrong about about things. There were gen I was genuinely twisted up at some points. I was surprised at some of his reveal uh, quite a few of his reveals. Mm-hmm. I'm not a genius who like solved it instantly. Mm-hmm. I just made some guesses and those guesses were right for cheap reasons. Mm-hmm. Like I shouldn't be able to make this accusation. I I feel like there's a lot of ways that that could have been there's a lot of intellectual kind of ideas behind movies that are harder to guess at and more complex. I just feel like because that was easy, there were other parts of the mystery that were easy and it like worked its way down. Mm-hmm. Right? To crack the foundation, it worked its way up all the way up. Yeah. Right. So I hope that he keeps, because he changed things up enough to make me think that next time I actually don't know. Yeah, and I think that he wasn't quite done exploring this setting of like rich people. Yeah. I feel like he still had a lot left over uh, from Knives Out, and so we kind of explored more of those ideas in this one. But if and they will, they definitely will, because I think uh, Glass Onion has has been and will be successful. And it, if Netflix have already given him all this money, then it seems that they are committing to many of these films. And I don't see Daniel Craig or any of the any actor that wants to get involved with these successful films. Because it just looks like fun, honestly. You yeah. look at them and you're like, no, I, think I any hope act- they make 11 more. Yeah, I hope exactly. they make them a month forever. <laughs> I'm happy with this. Exactly. I'm not trying to be negative at all. And like- so if they continue with always like it's always got to be rich people dying and stuff or if this is the setting every single time i'm not they, dying it's always got to be them uh it, or it's their web of lies that benoit has by to being like rich you're therefore not innocent by being poor you're therefore innocent right yeah but it's I, a classism thing if i mean i guess that if that's going to be the message every single time that could definitely run dry but for me the concern would more be with the setting if they're consistently doing the setting like in the rich people world i think uh, time travel out of ideas to ryan johnson's writer's room and grab him by the collar and be like sometimes the butler did it (laughs) sometimes the butler just do that (laughs) yeah that's i but like i'm glad i actually thought that was intellectually a smart take in the first one because the butler did it inverted is an interesting premise, mm-hmm. right? And that's very much knives out. Glass Onion, I don't want to spoil anything, but a lot of the devices are like cliches from the world of detective fiction, mm-hmm. right? Classical detective fiction. I made guesses that I didn't think were going to be true. I'm like, this is cheap. There's no way he did this. And then he does it. Mm-hmm. He does it smart. He does it in a beautiful way to where I make it think it's like, okay, maybe it's not just cheap. Maybe it's like a love note to detective fiction. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you yeah. do see a lot of that for sure. Yeah. But so, yeah, no, he's not reinventing the wheel or anything. He's just doing a really smooth, well-running wheel that for some reason almost turns left. Mm-hmm. It's, again, they're great movies. Mm-hmm. They're great movies. But I just don't want to see through them. Yeah, and that and that's totally fair. I think nobody... And there's an irony to the experience because on the one hand, we love the mystery. We love trying to solve the mystery. But at the same time, we don't actually want to solve the mystery. I want to be wrong. You know what I mean? Like it, yes. when I, as I'm watching a mystery of whodunit, I want it to be difficult. And it's it, it, the film pokes fun at that at the very beginning. Yes. At the yeah. very beginning yeah. of the film, 
the film actually makes makes kind of basically makes a sort of meta joke um, on that on that very dynamic that the audience often will have with a mystery film. So I'm okay. I'm okay with not uh, with him wrapping it and, and making it difficult to solve. That's what I want. Yes, um, me too. But exactly like you say, yeah. if you can see through it because of the politics that you that you can gather from the previous two films and yeah well actually not just the previous two films but maybe his filmography then that kind of cuts through i guess you could say it's sort of like you're like well it's like you made this beautiful lock and instead of solving it i just found the right hairpin just jammed <laughs> it in there and but it it's the same hairpin every time that's the problem <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's even worse right so i just i hope he plays on top of this because this film is smarter than the last one mm-hmm. i'm guessing he's gonna change up enough elements and make the next film smarter than this one but like you say he's not done with the room yet he seems to have a lot to say yeah so what uh what do you give it out of like overall are we done the review <laughs> i don't know we can keep yeah. going but i just want to know what what you're because i haven't heard uh and i think we talked about pretty much everything honestly but the way this is written is great i'm very happy with that like the dialogue is sharp it's not predictable like the jokes are funny there is decent levity in this film mm-hmm. it's i remember watching it at the beginning you and i were like a little confused and we're like when does somebody die right, it, right? It's, that's true the film does take its time to actually get to the i guess the murder island or whatever it feels um, like a warm bright comedy mm-hmm. at first and then when it does actually get into the mystery, it gets interesting. Yeah. Right. It takes you a, a while. Yeah. It's it, this is a f- hard film to review because I don't want to give away any spoilers. Like the Avatar review, like what spoilers were there to give away? Everything was just so oh. obvious from the first, from the basically the what first it, ten let, minutes let me, of the film. Let me run down some of these elements. Wrote down mm-hmm. direction. Oh, very well directed. Like on a craft level, I don't really see. There's actually not a whole lot to comment on just because it's very clean. They don't really make any mistakes, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. Ryan Johnson, he uses a lot of the same camera tricks that he did, even going all the way back to Brick. Um, he loves those camera, kind of like the Martin Scorsese shot. I feel like he probably watched a lot of Scorsese because he likes these really fast. Uh, they're not zoom-ins. They're dollies. Like, he's moving the camera, right? Like, Quentin Tarantino will do the zoom-in. Ryan Johnson's kind of more like Scorsese where he likes actually moving the camera Without into a close-up. And a lot of that... Away. He likes he like he really does play with the objects on screen. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's selective with his close. Like, yeah, he's he's a good director. He knows how to put together a film. His films well edited as well. His all of his films are actually very well edited. Um, so on a craft level, like pretty much any time it's a Ryan Johnson film, I know craft wise it's gonna be really crisp. Um, so yeah, directing, no, no real casting acting. Again, I thought no I thought issues. no issues. Edward Norton was hilarious. He I thought, was really great. He looks old now. Yeah, yeah, but he he did a really great job. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be the billionaire. Oh, perfect. He nailed it. Yeah. Nailed Anybody it. else would have been obnoxious. Yeah. When Ethan Hawke showed up, I was very right. Happy. Yeah, that scared me. <laughs> that scared me. <laughs> like, I don't. Is this gonna be a Bond villain? What's going on? You know what just occurred to me? What? Is Hugh Grant the butler? I thought it was his dad. Oh, Hugh Grant's his dad? I had no idea. Because if Hugh Grant is his butler, we might see him. Please let Hugh in Grant future films. be the butler. That would be incredible. This, I'm excited. That's, that's fantastic. Because I like Hugh Grant. 
Yeah. You know, he's that British guy from all the old rom-coms. You're going to have Hugh Grant and Benoit Blanc in the next one. Don't look at me. Go watch Love Actually. It's Christmas. (laughs) Writing, very well done. Yeah. Plot, very well assembled. Mm -hmm. Intellectual basis, teeny tiny crack. (laughs) That's my problem. Yeah. That's all it is. No, I think that's... That's fair. Personally, I find the writing for this one was good. It was solid. It was fun. It gets a bit mangled, but all of it, I think pretty much, I'm not sure. Were there any major loose ends that weren't, I, I, can't, I can't remember if there were. I'd have to think about it some more, but it's pretty well wrapped up. It, it is well wrapped up. I was a little like, where's this movie going for, for a solid, for the entire really second act. I was actually like waiting. Again, I don't want to give away anything, right? So but I was a little lost in the second act. Not that it was not entertaining, but I think my mind was just expecting something else. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of waiting for that thing to come. And it sort of does, um, but it was still entertaining nonetheless. Um, but no, I, I personally, I thought Knives Out was more rewatchable. I found myself, I think I, I could, I would watch that movie. I'm more inclined to watch Knives Out again than I am Glass Onion, to be perfect. I haven't seen it since. Okay. Uh, Knives Out. Uh, Knives Out. No. Knives Out. I haven't seen it since. I felt like this movie was more fun than Knives Out. Mm -hmm. I think it was a much better showcase of what Knives Out is supposed to be about. But Knives Out, smarter, a little more hidden. I felt like there was more subtlety to it. Yeah, and I think that's why I would go back to it. I thought the, the end was more satisfying probably because i was more with the main character of the film uh the the nurse um and so i can and this is this is sort of the secret to making films where people rewatch them constantly generally speaking um you if you already know the plot especially when it's a mystery you're not going to go back for the plot unless you're like there's a lot of loose ends that you're trying to figure out for yourself um and all these little hints you can go back for those reasons kind of like a puzzle but for the most films, you're gonna go back because of character, and so if you actually like the characters or certain or the you dialogue, you step back into that space. You want to kind of exactly. You want to. I feel like I should rewatch Mordecai. Did you ever see that with Johnny Depp? Very good. Point being, Knives Out. I feel like I will watch again. Mm-hmm. I can wait a while before I watch this, but I feel like this. I can. It was again more fun. I connected a lot more with the care with like the main character of Knives Out than I did with uh, the. I guess the main character of uh, I like the film. underdog from this one. Mm-hmm. I thought it was well done. I thought they were both I thought she was more charming but less sincere if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. yeah, than that's very the yeah. previous hero of the story. I overall I just I am I'm happy with it. Would you see another one? A hundred percent like down. I'm I'm down again it's like you said if they make 11 of these I'm like I'm I'm in for the ride I'll watch it this is Daniel Craig's retirement gig I'm convinced he's just gonna continue to make these and then retire I'm an easy sell I already like Daniel Craig <laughs> he's a, he's my favorite bot or second favorite I really like Timothy Dalton as well that being said what do you give it out of 10 7.75 I was feeling like an 8.2. Explain. Explain for me. I just, I had fun. That was the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. No, I, I... The writing, yeah. the drama, the genuinely being like, what's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. I, I had more fun here. I think the reason being part of it is just the setting was sunnier, brighter, mm-hmm. more colorful. It had my attention. I enjoyed watching it for mm-hmm. longer. 
the previous one part of the motif was like warm colors indoors cold colors outdoors and outdoors was kind of gray and then inside was like had a little bit more hue on the skin and the wood it's like i got it, it did, i don't know it just didn't like it felt like it, i had to work to keep paying attention to this movie interesting i was like it was still an excellent film but i did more work for that than i did for this one yeah so we're like i would have given you know i would give truthfully i was waiting to answer for you to answer first and i was like i'm within a point above him (laughs) that's my scale uh because i would give knives out maybe like closer like an 8.2 and i would give glass onion a little bit lower which is why i'm giving it like a 7.779 what what did i give it like a seven basically close to a 7.8 but not quite a 7.8 yeah yeah, you gave it a seven seven five. Yeah, yeah. Very very partic- very particular. But this is, this is a good yeah. movie. Good movie. Would watch again. We'll watch the next one. I feel like we came in because I, I definitely had a little bit of an air of negativity for watching this film. I was like, oh, Ryan Johnson, here we go. And then even coming off of it, like after seeing what he did and just being like, I can't objectively say what is wrong with this movie, but I know there's like a there's a thing here. And that underdog kind of linchpin is a problem. I hope he sorts that out. And definitely after we did Avatar 2, and that was like mostly negative, we gave it a 7. It wasn't like that bad. Actually, I was talking to a lot of people who give it like Listen, a 7. We're cynical Everybody I'm talking, I've talked to who's seen this movie has also given it a 7. We just sounded cynical, I think, when we're explaining why we gave it a 7. Well, I mean, yes, that's one answer, that we're just cynical, which is probably true. But on the other hand... Um, I feel as though when you have a film which is as big as Avatar, highest grossing, well, the first one, the highest grossing film of all time, and there's, you know, 13 years in the making, and everyone already knows how great the visuals are, it's like, do we really need to spend, you know, that much time talking about it? Like, everyone already knows that the visuals are good. Yes. Like, they already know that going in, and I, we did. We did give praise and credit to the visuals. I even talked about a lot of, like, I think his name's david simon he's one of my favorite concept artists i follow him and and yeah like i know the crew the team of people like the artists that work for avatar are incredibly talented so i like of course but on the other hand there's all the other aspects of filmmaking editing writing acting directing you know there's (laughs) and so (sighs) those parts Let's be honest, we're mediocre. They're, they're not that good. I thought, you know, like somebody else was explaining the f- film to me about, I'm, I'm, we're not going to dive too deep into this, but he was saying it's like, it's a beautiful movie about parents handing their problems off to their kids. And I was like, that's a really good way, way to put it. And it actually made me appreciate it a little bit more, but also a little bit more frustrated because I see where it could have gone. Ryan Johnson is an incredible director. I have nothing bad to say about him. Good. I didn't say anything political. I didn't say anything political at all. I said something intellectual. I said intellectual. Intellectually. <sighs> the hole is already dug. This is I'm a sorry. Weird, it's a weird energy to bring to this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, man, I don't like films. And it's like you said, when they kind of try to force that in and it's a bit too heavy handed, that's the weird energy that it brings. Yes. So, this yeah I, I agree with you i don't i'm not really I'm a not, fan when, when i don't when i don't do think that. it was heavy-handed at all no i just I, like i exactly. saw what you were doing and it's too late now can't go back <laughs> i wish i was dumb enough to miss this i yeah i'm sure a lot of people are those are the 10 out of 10s i saw it sorry man 
can't help you. That's true. No, it takes yeah. you out of the film. It really does. And you're right. The 10 out of 10s is like, I actually, you forget. On, the, on the adverse of that, I thought the COVID mask thing that they did in the beginning of the movie, because it does take place in quote unquote COVID times, COVID era. I thought that was actually well done. So there, there you go. Yeah. So that was actually funny because they have uh, Kate Hudson's character. She's like the rich fashion designer and she's got <laughs> she's got the mask on but it's basically just a, a fishnet mask like a fancy fishnet mask that's literally doing nothing but it's that's like the good. same problem again it's like we know she's an airhead so this is a joke but it doesn't it's nothing of nece necessary substance mm -hmm. it's like you didn't actually i didn't see something that i'm supposed to think is proper be funny they named her birdie <laughs> just <laughs> i just this it's smart on the outside, and that's all I can really hope for. Uh, Andres, tell us about the modern state of cinema. That's a good question. You know, actually, I used to be very cynical about the modern state of cinema. I thought that they, you know, most, they're just rehashing a bunch of IPs, um, and Hollywood is basically now boiled down to, like, for the longest time, there used to be about five to seven major Hollywood production studios. Um, obviously Paramount, Lionsgate, 20th Century Fox, and the others, like you, you've heard them. But now there's pretty much only two. Pretty much. And, and to be honest with you, it's not even two anymore. It's one. Disney. <laughs> well, Disney um, is like king of the castle. Yeah, they're for sure. They're still like, you know, Warner Brothers um, is they're, trying. They're trying. They've they pretty win. much taken over Hollywood they at this point. They sold themselves out so hard with that last Space Jam space jam too oh I my god didn't even know that happened um and then that was a major concern the that was a major concern for me this was about 10 years ago i remember seeing this happening because i i was really close to going to the film industry and i remember seeing these things happening and felt okay this is just not good because what ends up happening is if you have only like let's say two major production studios and you have these superhero films or these you know even tv shows and they're taking like every year the studio has a budget like how much money they're going to spend producing films and let's say it's a billion dollars yeah one superhero movie costs like 350 million dollars that like takes a huge chunk of the pie and so they're really only making about two to three films kind of putting all their eggs in one basket and if one of those films bombs then you basically don't have an industry anymore so that was my concern they've managed to do well for the most part, I think Netflix entering the scene, I think, has been a huge help because they're funding, you know, they're making their own. You like watching this in theaters? Now you can watch it endlessly at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Netflix coming onto the scene has, has, has changed things so that I think they've made some good films. But the one studio, that, they're my favorite, and they've actually made they made The Green Knight, which we reviewed. Yes. Um, A24. A24 make really, really good films. Um, <sighs> Man, I feel like such a hipster repping A24. Yeah, but their films are awesome. Hipster. <laughs> no, you're right. They're very artfully done. They're very awesome. Mm -hmm. They're not always... They're like, will you stop sometimes? Can we just have an explosion yeah. or something? And not to mention that because of technology, it's becoming cheaper to make films. Yeah. And so the biggest challenge now is not, you know, can I get this dolly? Can I get this nice camera? Can I get this lighting equipment? Or can I get this audio equipment? Like, it's becoming really cheap to make high production quality films um there's not really there's honestly no excuses the hardest thing is 
well, your creative abilities and also finding talent in terms of like actors, cinematographers, and just assembling a good team of people to make something special. Um, so I'm fairly optimistic. I think in terms of well, the big Hollywood blockbusters, they're kind of the same as they always they've always been. Um, they happen to be all over Vancouver, and if they're interested in making cool stuff, we're at theforestcreek at gmail dot com, taking interns. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I I hundred percent agree with you. Um, but you know, one thing is, I don't. When I think about it, I really don't care how many more Knives Out movies they make, so long as they make another John Wick, which is coming in March. Super excited. That's 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 the one of my most anticipated podcasts to do, is we go and we watch John Wick 4, Keanu Reeves Returns, and then we review it here. Hell We've yeah. got a lot of fun stuff planned. Listen to all of our other stuff, and then like us, and then share us. And then tell everybody about us. That's a damn near impossible task. Or we'll release that picture of you. (laughs) (laughs) There's that linchpin. There you go. I'll release a red envelope. You don't know what that means. Now go watch the movie. (laughs) Uh, I look forward to making a lot more podcasts and fun stuff for The Forest Creek in 2023. And to doing more of these. And also to meeting some cool people and helping them make cool stuff Mm -hmm. for their businesses their services their ministries their products their real estate listing we can offer quality service made without breaking your budget just find us at theforestgreek at gmail.com i mean we can do more than just not break your budget we'll do it for free we'll do a murder We're everywhere else, especially Instagram and Spotify at The Forest Creek. Find us there. More platforms soon. Send us stuff you want us to talk about. Yeah. I want to be a podcast for the people. Or if uh, if they want to be on the podcast, they can also just DM us and uh, we can bring them on. Yes. You will have to go through a vetting process. Uh, basically, I just let the cat test you out. And that's... What does Mishmish think? Mishmish think? We denied like three people who wanted to come on the show. Oh, I'm honored. I actually yeah. feel really special. <laughs> so, and there he is to tell us that it's time. Was that? That was actually Mishmish. Holy cow. our podcast. Speak of the devil. Yes. We should probably let him in, and we should probably go. We'll see you guys on our next show. Have a great one. Goodbye. Bye.